For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. I'm Tim. And I'm Marshall. Yes. Last one of the year. Last one. Last one. We have successfully done the Bible in a year. We have. Catechism in a year. Yep. And church history in a year. <sighs> feels good. Feels feels like we've accomplished things, mm-hmm. which is good. And you know what? <laughs> Kept it going. I Somehow. Yeah. Right? You know, when we started on this podcast journey, it, it began me driving home from Feb National Convention in Niagara Falls, 2019, mm. and saying to Lindsay, I think I'm going to start a podcast. Really? And then I pitched it here, and you guys were like, sounds great. And then you came into my office and you're like, hey, I went in on that. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are, three full years in. And I got to say, if I if, if I had been left to do it on my own, I don't think we would be here. You think I mean, we wouldn't be here, obviously. Well, yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I, don't I think, wouldn't be I here. I don't think this would have been done. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I would have made it all the way through the first year, right? Like things just come up, you... Make excuses and don't get stuff done. Well, that first year happened to be 2020, so... Yeah. A lot of things fell by the wayside and did not get completed, but we've... we've Soldiered on. Figured it out. I think because you held me accountable and I held you accountable. Yeah, I think so. On the weeks where I was ready to quit, you were not, and vice versa. (laughs) (laughs) And so here we are. Three years done. This This year of church history has been... It's been good. I've enjoyed it. I have too. I also want to say this. Okay. Right? I, I would say not just the mutual accountability between each other, mm. but the knowing that people are listening yeah. is also an accountability. Oh, for sure. Because how many times how many times have we been like, it's okay if we're late, if we miss a week, whatever, and then we've stopped and went, no. No. There are people, when it's late, there are people who are like, hey... Mm-hmm. The podcast didn't drop. We have been late. And, and, we, and I don't... Hold on. I oh, want to say this. Yep. I I don't want to say people email us or text us and they're like, hey, the podcast didn't drop. Mm. That's not a derogatory thing. That's an encouraging thing that people would say, maybe something went wrong and I'm just ready for it. And I woke up on a Thursday morning and it's usually there and it's not, right? Like that's the kind of thing that makes you go, hey, I want to do this because people want to hear it. So, yeah, like we, we have, we've been late a couple times, a few times, but we've never missed a week No, in three years. No. And I mean, I listen to professionally produced podcasts, the guys who literally do this, like this, they're, that's the one thing they do. Like their, their entire source of income is purely a, you know, bi-weekly or monthly podcast or week, you know, and they're late all the time. Mm-hmm. They're literally late all the time, and uh, and you know by the grace of God, here we are, three years in. And you know it started, it all started under the notion that pastors cooler than us mm. in decades past gave back Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. Yeah, and they're just now unobtainable. 
Yeah. Pastors that have tried to gain back the church-wide Bible study on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights just don't get a turnout. Oh, no. Yeah, we and, couldn't take that back now. And the question, the question being asked was, how do we get that back, that extra teaching time, so that the only thing that we're doing isn't Sunday morning? Right. Which is not enough for a church. Right. And this was the answer. And it continues to be. Yeah. So now, to be fair, like we're doing more than just Sunday morning and this podcast. Right. We have small groups and I, stuff. Sure, but we're I, small. I know. That, I know I'm just that saying. Corporate group led. I know. I know. Thing. Yeah. I just. I just don't want to give people the the impression. <laughs> Maybe people who aren't part of our church and don't know the stuff that we are going on that that mm-hmm. that somehow like Sunday morning and this podcast are the work that we do. That yeah. there's a but lot this, more to it than this that. fills the space that would have been Wednesday night Bible study. For sure, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. what's been your what, like how do you feel about this year in particular? How 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 has it gone in, in your mind? So when we when we did the through the Bible, I was excited to see how many people jumped on. Mm. When we did uh the catechism, I noticed that we lost some people. Yeah. Along the way, conversation around it waned a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, those who, who got into it really got into it and enjoyed those conversations. They just happened with fewer people. Right. Um, which I thought was disappointing. We had done two years of podcasting and decided we were just going to do something kind of for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And And to be honest with you, I thought we would lose again right and find ourselves at this point going we're done <laughs> either either do we have any listeners left right <laughs> or or have we crossed some sort of threshold where the law of diminishing returns yeah is it worth the time we're investing into it right right i have been so gloriously shocked by the way the podcast has grown uh, not just Susan and her Bible study in, mm. uh, in New Zealand and, and getting those kinds of messages, but, uh, but also from, from just our local church mm. body, right? The number of conversations with various people has really picked up, and, and I'm, that has been great. It seems like it's been something that people find enriching. It's been enriching for me personally to revisit some of these things and—, and Examine again the snapshot, the mm. big picture snapshots mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. of how God has been faith, faithful through. Uh, if I had a takeaway from the year, it would be calm down. Is that? <laughs> I like that. Just so, just so you know, like mm. a snapshot of what's going on in the room. I got nothing in front of me. Yeah. Marshall comes into my office. He's like, let's just do the thing. <laughs> I got a couple questions I want to ask you. Sure. You can answer them or not. Yeah. So it's not like I thought this out, but mm. calm down because God has always been leading his church through trials for his glory. Right. Yeah. And And sometimes it's helpful for us to see that. Sometimes because we've not been through it before, we assume that God hasn't either. Right. And the first for us is the first for him. Mm. And so he's as panicked and unsure as we are. (laughs) Um, But being able to see his faithfulness through the generations, which Mm -hmm. is such a biblical theme, Mm -hmm. right? And then all of a sudden we're like, 
it took a podcast on history for me to understand. <laughs> and God's like, well, it's been there all along. Right. Uh, but seeing his faithfulness through those generations just kind of reminds you, hey, it's not going the way that you had hoped it would have gone. Surprisingly enough, those who rebel against God are rebellious mm. against God. And um, maybe you feel the pain of it, but God's not surprised. Right. And he will continue to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a really good insight. Yeah, I mean that's that's probably the pretty close to how I would define kind of the overwhelming sense or the the most um, significant realization that I've come to even through this work is that you know even when we find ourselves you know as the church in the midst of a valley, um, not the first like just like you said, God's not been there before. The church hasn't. Like the church yeah. has been here before, right? Mm-hmm. The church has been through difficult times, very difficult times, very long seasons mm-hmm. of decline, very long seasons where you know the 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 dominant forces um, were were out of left, like out out to lunch, right? Theologically and, and mm-hmm. practically, and yet God remained faithful. He preserves His church, and they continue to fulfill the mandate that He's called them to. And so, even when things are difficult. Whether that's on a personal level, local level, worldwide level, in, in regards to the church, we're we're gonna be okay. We're gonna be yeah. Okay. You know, there was a few years back. I I was just thinking about it, it was when I it was more than a few years back when I was first studying church history, mm-hmm. and I, and I got into the second section of church history for seminary. Um, and I was I was reading about some of the big struggles and debates in the church through the 80s and into the 90s and i was i was struck by the fact that i was blissfully unaware right and and that a lot of my burden for where the church was at theologically and where it was going theologically sort of landed on this uh what's happening to us mm. kind of a thing mm-hmm which was based on rose-colored glasses of years gone by that weren't actually. And I was struck with the notion that that is also true politically and economically, and the, the issue isn't that things were right and are now getting worse. The issue is I was really young and unaware. Right. And the adults who were adults while I was a kid— would probably say, yeah, we went through some tough stuff. Right. Right? Right. And and so maybe maybe this nostalgia for the fact that things, at one point, things were right. Maybe if we backed up and looked at it, that goes beyond the church. And maybe it's less about a comment of how things were and more a comment of how aware you were. Right. <laughs> Right, that was right. that was in some ways a very settling notion for me because the whole, as I said before, the calm down, yeah. it's always been like this. Right. Uh, but in some ways it is, you know, just sort of is, is turmoil, the perpetual state mm. uh, until Christ returns. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've also appreciated just as we've kind of chatted about um, various characters and and even movements, I would say, within church history, you know, it's been it's been a real exercise in not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. You know, like we we come to to recognize these you know these significant characters in 
the the history of the church and, and, and movements, you know, doctrinal movements and uh, within within the history of the church. And, and we can say, okay, well, there are some things that are problematic or concerning or whatever, right. but there's also been some really wonderful and amazing things. God has worked through broken people mm-hmm. and, and even broken systems um, for his glory and for the perpetuation of his mission. And that's, you know, that's encouraging as well because, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't roll out of bed thinking that I have the perfect theology and I'm the perfect example of what a Christian ought to be every morning. Yeah. And, and, and that realization can sometimes be a little bit depressing and thinking, okay, well, like if I'm, you know, if I'm wrestling with these things or these issues or whatever, like how effective, how effective can I possibly be? And then understanding that, you know, as we look back in church history and see how the Lord has worked through certain people that like, you know, the Lord can work through broken people all the time. In fact, that he per- seems to prefer to, um, not just through church history. I think that's the only people available. Right? <laughs> There's no other reason apart from Christ, <laughs> which is why he's the cornerstone of our faith. Um, yeah, I know you're right. <laughs> Anyways, so no, it's been good. It's been good for me individually going through this and uh, and kind of learning about um, you know how, how God has been faithful through through the history of the church so yeah and, and what about this as a notion as well um, the the sort of position of the local body within the greater whole of the theological community in its time mm. right and so this sort of flux between, uh, my call and responsibility to lead Memorial Baptist Church for the time that God has me here to lead Memorial Baptist Church mm. in its place. Yet, we are not isolated from the theological movements that preceded this time and place and that will follow this time and place or that are currently going on. Mm-hmm. And understanding where you fit in that global and chronological uh, umbrella, but yet still focusing on your local thing, mm-hmm. um, is something that I've I've seen through some of these movements and everything. Right, um, where you have these massive movements, they're in their value, they're massive. That fifteen hundred years later, we're still talking about it, right. but we might be talking about a couple hundred people who were completely isolated in those thoughts, um, the Huguenots, for example. Right. Right? And, and not, really, not really like massively broadly impactful, but they did the right thing, and it was impactful for those who were impacted. Mm. Um, and so, so just understanding better where you fit in your local responsibility and how that can may may not have a more global implication right or at least if not that, that's not to say you know in in this church i'm going to be faithful and i'm going to end up changing the world as a whole uh but more to say what's going on in the world also mm. affects me locally and i'm going to do what god has called me to do locally 
and and it has more than just local implication. Right. Yeah. No, I think good. I've declarified my own statement. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. So today, Tim, you and I are going to seek to fulfill the prophetic office. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's something that you can laugh at. Maybe some of our listeners will laugh at and other people will be like, what? Why does he think that's funny? Um, in any case, today's kind of broad subject mm-hmm. for the concluding episode yeah. of this year is essentially the question, you know, where are we going or where do we think we're going? Yeah. Because we don't have a crystal ball. Absolutely. And if we did, we wouldn't be fit to be pastor. Christ returns. That's paganism. Right. Christ returns. <laughs> <laughs> Christ returns within the next hour. Right. This doesn't even release, then we're proven wrong. Everything right? we were about to say is totally wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's fun anyways. It's a fun exercise. And, and I mean, the degree to which it's helpful, I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll let other people be the judge of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, based on, based on what we see and, and, you know, what we understand about the world around us, you know, there there might be some kind of, eh, we might have some input on, on where we see things going. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and willing to be proven wrong. And uh, should the Lord return before this episode drops? I'm happy with that, brother. Yeah. Amen. yeah Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. But should he tarry? What do, what do we, what do we see? What do we see coming down the line? Um, what are some things maybe, you know, as we kind of look to the, the remainder of our 21st century, right? Theoretically, should should Jesus not return by the end of the century, which, you know, a great number of our listeners are screaming right now saying, of course he's going to be coming before the end of the century. Yeah. But but that's what people thought in the f- first century mm-hmm. and the second and the third and every century since. So, yeah. so should he tarry? Um, where do we see things kind of heading for the church? I gotta actually I got a little fun little thing side thing here that I'm okay. gonna drop on you. And okay. if you don't want to play this game, that's that's fine. Okay. Um apart from maybe church history, if you were just to make some bold predictions for the upcoming years, decades, whatever, um that you just want to throw out and it could be in regards to anything. Um just societal. Yeah, so I'll start. Shift. I'll okay. start just okay. to kind of set the tone for this because okay. this does not have to be like supremely serious. Good. Because that was a big ball to drop. I believe in my heart of hearts that the Toronto Maple Leafs will win a Stanley Cup before I die. Mm. That is, I, I, I just believe that to be true. Um, I hope that it's true. What if they go into a game seven overtime? <laughs> Then there's no and hope. Jesus returns. <laughs> right before right before the red light goes off. Right? Desperation shot from center ice. Can you imagine? The trumpet sounds. Everyone is like, is that the horn? Is that the goal the horn for the goal? No, it's the trumpet. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. So that 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 there's that's kind of starting starting it there. Do you, I don't know mm. if you got anything that you want to throw out there. Things that things that will happen. Just bold bold predictions. Willing to be proven wrong, but mm. Mm. I I think, man, I'm I'm trying not to 
bring it back to the church, but that's just kind of where I tried to put my brain at the same time. Sorry. <laughs> um, I think we're going to see fractures even within Russia beyond what took place when the Soviet Union collapsed mm. and many of those regions gained their independence. Um, they're, not all of them did. Mm. It's still predominantly an ethnic ethnically regional kind of a country. Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure that in the future we're not going to see that great, vast sweep dissolve mm -hmm. and we see some independence ethnically mm. in those areas. All right, I got another one. All right. I don't think the uh, population of the earth is going to continue to rise dramatically forever. I think it's going to level off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as the quality of living increases in other parts of the world, um, what you're going to get are just like you have here in the West, you're going to have more couples, more, more individuals who choose not to get married mm -hmm. and more married couples who choose not to have children or to have very few children. Um, and I don't think we're going to, you know, be in a place where we have 50 billion human beings walking the earth. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I think things are going to level off sooner rather than later. That's my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I could see, I could see that happening. Um, I, I think we will look back on the last century. At that point, it'll be a century. Um, so another 50 years from now. At, at this sort of century of opulence mm. um, that won't maintain. Mm. I think we'll, we'll see an end to the level of consumerism mm -hmm. that we have going, probably to the demise of a middle class. Mm. Uh, because I, I think what's going to eventually happen is we're going to see countries realize how unsure it is to depend on other countries so heavily. Um, we've seen that some with Russia right. already. Sure. I think we will continue to see it with China. Um, when I was a kid, everything was made in Taiwan, right? And then everything moved to China. And, and I think eventually we're going to get back more toward the whole we need to produce at home. Right. Like self-sufficient economies. Right. Self-sufficient economies. And that's going to be expensive. Yeah. And so we're going to have less junk yeah. produced because the stuff we buy needs to be more intentional. Yeah. Um, that's maybe hopeful thinking. You know what I found? I, what I found when I was, um, so this is going back a while, when I was like 13, 14 years old doing an exchange trip to France. And, and, and Europe tends, culturally at least, tends to be a little bit ahead of North America for the most part, I would say. Not, okay. not, not in every regard, but in, in a lot of the, kind of the trends and kind yeah. of, you know. Um, and, and what I found, so I, I was staying uh, with my exchange partner's family. She, um, my exchange partner's mother was a school principal and his dad was an air traffic controller. So they were upper, upper middle class. Mm -hmm. they, they were doing well for themselves. And they had way less stuff in their house than my lower middle class or maybe upper lower class <laughs> family mm -hmm. did. And and what they had, they had fewer things, but they were better quality, right? And I think that is the future, as far as consumerism goes, mm -hmm. is that we're gonna have to get to a point where we just stop producing, 
and using and buying junk and actually just have less things that actually work, that are mm-hmm. better quality, that last longer. So I'm right there with you. I think that's that's got to be the future for for manufacturing and consumerism, yeah. I, I think. I've gotten to the point where I'm really grossed out by dollar stores and Value mm. Village, those kinds of places. They just sort of gross me out. See, I like Value Village because it's the idea of recycling because yeah. you're able to get what you need without without it being produced. But that's, I mean, that's maybe... But, but to me, what it is, is someone has already determined... This is garbage. This, is, this doesn't belong in my house, and it's just clutter. Right. We're like, I'll take it. <laughs> Fair enough. Because to be Fair honest enough. with you, mm. it's not what we need. Mm. Right? Like, do we need what we go and grab at Value Village? It depends. I mean, it depends Sometimes. how you shop there. Yeah. I mean, I've got a couple of my my favorite uh, kids' clothes preaching jackets yeah. are from there. But they're because they're 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 items that were made so long ago. <laughs> some of them that they are actually better quality than what you get off the shelf at the mall. But that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. All right. Well, that's been fun. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you have anything else you want to nope. drop. I mean, these are yeah. just kind of like. I mean, again, we could be totally wrong on all of these mm-hmm. things, but it's fun to do. But let's talk more about the church. And, you know, actually, if you're open to this, I I found an interesting article. Do you know who Kerry Newhoff is? No. He's like, he's like a church trends guy. Okay. He might be Canadian. I, I, you know what? I'm not going to go. I don't even have my Googler with me. It's fine. It's fine. I, I happen to. He wrote an article about kind of trends that he sees and we can maybe, I can maybe pull a couple of them out. Again, this doesn't have to be the rest of our conversation, but to to get a sense of like what you think about this, agree or disagree, okay. and why, just to kind of get us get us moving. Mm-hmm. Um, one of one of his insights in regards to kind of the future of the church, churches that love their model more than the mission will die. Hmm. I I think the churches that love their model would argue that it is a means of producing the mission. I don't know that it can be so clearly divided. Okay. Um and and he might be he might be right. See, this is where I don't know what he means by this, mm-hmm. right? Because he has put out something that doesn't necessarily have enough background around it. So for instance, if he means the small rural church that says we've never done it that way before, he's absolutely right. Mm. Right? Um, that's a church that loves its model more than its mission. Right? Uh, I, I think more than the mission is probably reading into the heart of why it's done that way. I think right. I think even that church really believes this is there's reason there was reason for this. Surely those reasons are still valid. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, which in some instances they're not, mm. um, but I I, I don't I, I think he's placing a moral judgment on it that I'm not exactly comfortable with. Yeah, um, but there are also church churches that are multiplying greatly by saying this is the model that we use for the church, mm-hmm. and it's really effective, and we can duplicate this model around. Those churches are exploding all over the place. And as fast as they plan them, they fill up. Mm. And so um, I have a harder time seeing that go away 
um, unless they too become a place where they're just hardcore and though we've never done it that way. Right. And, and I don't mean on grand scale, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm talking about right. the micro scale. Right. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to see whether or not like the things that are innovative means mm-hmm. today will become you know, the outdated or un, unflinching kind of means, right? I mean, there's there's some, there's some, we talked about this a bit in like the YR movement. There's a bit of a callback for ancient ways of doing things, mm-hmm. ancient or at least older ways of doing things um, that do bring with them a certain degree of weight. So I don't know if I'm totally with him on that. I mean, ultimately, like the mission is more important than the model. Um, so I would say, I would say that's true. I mean, churches that, that forget the mission will, will die. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I, I see kind of a hard distinction between model focused versus mission focused. Yeah. I, I think the question reveals that he has a pebble in his shoe. I think he does. That caused him to write that. Yeah. And he worded it in a way that assumed his position. And so I don't know what he means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And okay. Uh, another thing he says, uh, the gathered church is here to stay. Oh yeah, for sure, and I would agree with that too. Yeah the the notion the notion of uh, online campuses is not a church, no. right? No. Um, and I I've had pastors that I I really care about say, well, online campuses are churches. You just can't think of them in the traditional way that we've always thought of church. Mm. And I my notion as well if what a church is is biblically determined, then it has to fit within the model that we've always mm-hmm. considered to be true. Yeah. Maybe there have been variations along the way and flutterings, but mm-hmm. if we're going to use correctly the term always, then it has to go back to its establishment in Christ. Mm-hmm. And and if it's not that, then it's not a church. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, th- this notion of, of the online ministries, the online communities, those kinds of things... Um, we can we can tell ourselves that they fill that void. Mm-hmm. They don't fill that void. Yeah. And and here's the thing that you may in that get a better speaker. That person's not going to come visit you. Mm-hmm. They're not going to answer even your emails. Not going to pray for you. Right. They're yeah. They're they're praying for you in a very broad congregational sense right. and not by name. <laughs> praying for fifty thousand views online. <laughs> right. And and so. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't fill that void. Mm-hmm. You can't submit your life to them. Mm-hmm. I know that in this day and age, it's very sketchy for a pastor to talk about submitting to your your pastors and your mm-hmm. elders. It's a biblical notion, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and you you just can't do that yeah. in the same way. So yeah, I agree. I think the I think the online aspect of the church moving forward is going to be. It's we've already seen this happen. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to continue to kind of be like the the front door. Yep. Right. So, so what the, the, the real lasting value of the online service, I mean, okay, we're still kind of in pandemic mode. So people who are sick or people who are whatever are, are watching online, mm-hmm. you know, we had sickness in our house. My wife was able to watch online. She benefited from yeah. that. She's great. We're grateful. Yeah. For I that. would say equally the online thing isn't going away. No, it's not going away as a tool. Oh no, it, it is not going, there. it's not going anywhere, but I think and some will always use it as the yeah, church, but I think it's, I think it's primary value moving forward is going to be as the front door. 
Mm-hmm. The primary value of the online service is going to be an opportunity for people who are maybe moving into the community, who are looking for something new, who are new to the faith, who are curious about the faith, um, for them to get a sense of what is going on on a Sunday morning uh, prior to them actually stepping foot into the building. I think that is going to be its primary value moving forward. Yeah. I think. And and even to the point that if someone if someone sent me an email and said you know, hey, just wanted you to know that we've been following your church online. We're not close enough to come, but we consider ourselves a part of Memorial Mm. because we appreciate what you're doing. Um, I would say I'm surprised that you did that based, like our (laughs) video quality is not not the you know best. what some mega churches could be, and that was an interesting <laughs> choice. Um, I, I would also say, uh, I wish you wouldn't. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate the sentiment behind mm-hmm. what you're trying to say, mm-hmm. but I'd like for you to find a church. Well, and I think, and I, and I would help them. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say based on if, if if they are in line with what we're about, right. then we could, you know, you or I could be helpful in helping them find something mm-hmm. that's going to be good for them locally where they're at. Right. Um, that maybe doesn't have an online presence, or mm-hmm. or or maybe they haven't found it, or whatever. Yeah. Because yeah, I think that's. Yeah, it's definitely better. And this this presumes the absence of anything like someone who's homebound or whatever. Yeah, reason. of course. Okay, look, like or I, or traveling, right? Oh, like oh you're a missionary goodness. overseas, yeah. right? There are there are a thousand disclaimers. We're talking normal case scenario. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Thank no. Thank you for pointing that out because before we get emails about people being <laughs> like, "Well, I'm 94," it's like, okay, yes. Also, if you're 94, sending us an email. Kudos, um, but no, I, I we understand that we we get that we're talking about the norm, like your average person, your average situation, yep. engaging with the church on a weekly basis. Okay, uh, how about this one? Consumer Christianity will die. Any more selfless, selfless rather discipleship is going to emerge. What do you think? Mm. I think there will. I think there will be a wave of it. I'm. I'm really encouraged by the future that I see in the church. Um, I think there there will always be the lingering aspect of the easy access, easy believism, uh, mm-hmm. cheap grace to follow sure. Bonhoeffer. I, I mm-hmm. think that will, the cultural thing will always be. Mm. Um, and those things will exist more readily in the easy access communities. Right. Um, I, I think... Well, that might, I, I don't want to get too deep into my concepts of future. I don't want to head off questions you have. No, 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 that's okay. Yeah, because here's the thing. Here's the thing that I, I, I here's a, again, we're, we're talking predictions, people. We're, we're just, we're just sharing what we, what we see, what we think. Shooting from the hip. We're shooting from the hip here and, and we might be wrong. I think, I think that, you know, sun, Sunday gatherings and just engagement in the church in general is going to have to be more about what people contribute than what they receive from it. Oh yeah. I think it's already happening. Mm-hmm. We're already seeing that, but I, I just I see a movement away from you know selecting churches based on what you get out of it and more upon, you know, what you're able to put into it. Obviously doctrinal alignment and all those things things matter, but I just feel like, you know, 
there's going to be, you know, the engage to, to, to really be a member of a church is going to be a higher demand. Mm-hmm. It's going to require a higher demand than maybe it did in the 20th century. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to draw some reasons for that. Mm. Why I, I agree with that. One, we're already seeing it happen. Yeah. In the last month, I've had two different conversations with people visiting on a Sunday morning who said, I attend this excellent church of hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds. Um, don't want that anymore. I want to be in a place where I know more, a higher percentage of the people. Right. Right? And I feel more engaged in that. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's going to be... Uh, that's something that we're we're seeing now, mm. right? Um, I also think the church is going to be distilled, not not shrinking, but distilled in in such a way as to say, um, those who are mostly there for cultural reasons or for for reasons other than than genuine belief are mm. going to stop coming. I think we're going to see fewer and fewer of those people participating in church, yeah, because. Uh, we we noted it last week. Society is increasingly anti-Christian right. in a unique way that we've never seen before. Not in a Roman way, whereas they didn't know what we were about, but because they know what we're about, they're anti-Christian. Mm. So, uh, a lot of your mainline churches, the social gospel kind of thing, I think those churches are going to die. Mm-hmm. I think they are dying. Yeah, they already are. They will. They will in the, in the next couple of decades likely die out because mm-hmm. that uh, mindset. I I'm keep tempting being tempted to use the word woke. I'll just use it. But that that mindset of give the people what they want and follow the wisdom of the culture is going to and has come to a head where they say the Christian mindset is wrong. Yeah. And the Christian moral is wrong. And right now, the attempt is to say your perspective of the Christian moral is wrong. Right. Let me give you a different perspective on <laughs> right, the Christian right, moral. Right, right. And eventually, we're going to come to a place where people just say, either you're not connected to Christianity, and so this thing that you're calling a new wave of Christianity is just not Christianity. Mm. And why are you calling it that? Or we're going to find fewer and fewer people who grow up thinking, I want to affect the world in what I consider positive, and the church is the way that I do that, uh, because they're going to have a different mindset on it. And so those churches, I think before they run out of congregants, are going to run out of ministers. Mm. And we're seeing that happen in that there are a lot of churches in our area that open once a month, and and they just have pastors cycling through, and he can only visit once a month, mm-hmm. and so that's when they have church, right? Yeah, but they uh, ain't they ain't evangelical churches. No, no, they're not. They're not. Uh, and and so I think that's where I say it's going to be distilled. Yeah, those people who always were there was always a place where there was the core of the church, the believers, the regenerate body of Christ, mm. and then those who followed along. I think I think we're going to see the trimming of the fat, right? Oh yeah. So the church. Numerically, there might be less attendance, but the church is not smaller. That's why yeah. I use the word distillation. Yeah. So, with distillation, is also going to come fewer resources for uh, finances and for 
participation in programs and for operating programs. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think we're going to see the streamlining of the church in those ways. Um, and and what you're going to end up with, we've already talked about this in youth groups. We talked about this just a few weeks ago in youth groups. The kids who are at youth group want to be at youth group. Yeah. Because they have a thousand other opportunities and their parents aren't making them come. Yeah. Right? And so are youth groups smaller? Yes. Are they stronger? Possibly. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think all of that streamlining is going to mean that those who are there for the culture or the consumption of it are just not going to see those packages available to them the way they were before. Right. And so as as a, an effect of all of these other changes, I would say he's correct mm-hmm. on this one. Yeah. This particular statement that I don't even remember what the statement was at this point. Uh, yeah, essentially that... Um, oh, what was the statement here? Yeah, essentially the, the consumer Christianity is going to die. Mm-hmm. Right, that more um, more of a yeah a selfless kind of expression of Christianity. I al- I also foresee the longest episode we've ever recorded. Oh, you think so? <laughs> we'll see. We're at, we're at forty one minutes, so here we go. Um, okay, so some other some other things. I think that um, one of the th- one of the things that's going to change if I were if I were to hazard a guess is that um, you're going to have, I think in the long run, um, more small churches as opposed to big ones Mm -hmm. down the road. Yep. Um, And that might not happen right away. I just, I don't know if kind of maintaining these um, massive ministries is feasible long term yeah um and i don't know if that's what people are going to really want i think if people are going to you know in a world that's increasingly disconnected because the types of the growing types of connection that we have are inauthentic forms of connection Mm -hmm. i mean even i mean we love that you guys listen to this podcast but like you're not actually with us in the room Right. Like we're glad you're listening and we want you to keep listening. But like the the only intimate thing happening here is between you and I, mm-hmm. right? And I think people, and that's okay if it's a supplemental thing, you know, for people who are at their church on Sunday or part of a small sure. group or serving in other ways. And this is just a supplementary thing. But I think just kind of like sneaking into a room of 5,000 people and you don't see anybody that you actually know in the entire time you're there on a Sunday morning, I don't think that's going to be as appealing when our culture continues to move into an increasingly disconnected way. And when I say disconnected, disconnected in, in the those authentic, authentic, tangible, person-to-person, face-to-face kind of ways. Mm-hmm. And I think there's going to be a growing hunger for real, intimate relationships. Yeah. And, and I see that, you know, I see that in my own generation already, that people are dying for for real friends that they mm-hmm. can sit down with and that they can do life with and and so for that reason i mean if i were to hazard a guess we've seen an upward trend of the mega church over the last few decades i don't think that's going to continue indefinitely yeah uh, i i i think that's going to at some point people are going to realize mm, that's not really what i'm about i'm hearing that at the seminary level 
from fellow students who are part of those churches mm-hmm. saying, I'm grateful for the leadership of these churches. I realize that they're doing a lot of great things, but to be honest, I, when I think about my ministry career moving forward, I, I see myself in a different place than that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hearing that from people on the inside of those, those situations. And these are good, healthy, what we would call biblically orthodox. We would be in line with them, but they're just, you know, two, 3,000 people kind of churches. And um, I mean, there's only a handful of those, so people might have an idea of who I'm talking about, but whatever. That's not, yeah. I'm not, it's not, that's not what I'm about. I'm not trying to dismiss or degrade or whatever what those places are doing, but I just don't mm-hmm. think that's going to be the primary goal. I mean, yeah. guys in my class, like guys in my in my in my seminary classes. Sorry, I know I've been kind of going on here for a bit, but guys in my seminary class, like we don't want to be mega church pastors. I don't want to be a mega church pastor. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pastor yep. people who I don't know. I don't know their names. Yeah, th- that notion that notion of upward mobility yeah. as a goal no. uh, is is very much a dying thing. I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. Um, where pastors are just like, well, I can take this church and then I can move on. To the bigger right. church, the big and, e- show. and eventually, right? Eventually, I can can stand on the on the big stage. Um, I I don't see a lot of people wanting for that anymore. I, I think one of the reasons is I've talked to a lot of pastors lately who would would take this notion, and and it might be that that I say yes, I see this distillation and the simplification of the church as a future. Maybe maybe that's some wishful thinking. Right. <laughs> I I a lot of my peers. Uh, which this makes for an interesting dynamic, right? Because your peers are coming into it, my peers are in it, and will remain in it for a little while. Sure. Um, a lot of them entered into this vocation because they wanted to be ministers, and found out that they were CEOs, mm. and they don't want that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fallout of church growth movement. Oh yeah, right. That the generations before us, the last fifty years sort of established the growth model kind of a thing yeah. where that became the expectation. Who's going to bring in the growth model and who's going to uh, handle that? Mm-hmm. And so big focuses on leadership and um, administration mm-hmm. were really highly prized mm-hmm. and pastors become the CEO of the church, right? Uh, and... I find a lot of guys, I I talked to a pastor just last week who said he would leave his position for the right associate pastor's job because as an associate pastor, he at least got to pastor and shepherd people. Mm. And now he feels like an administrator. How heartbreaking. Um, And so I I think we're going to see changes in that way. And I I think that's going to feed to the smaller church kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, it seems to me that a lot of pastors now, instead of having the notion of biggering just to use a dr seuss word sure um what they what they would rather do is plant Mm. right Mm -hmm. so you know top out three or four hundred plant another church somewhere else and if that knocks you down to 150 for the rest of your career who cares right yeah i mean my heart is even i mean like again like i'm i'm not in a place where i'm senior pastor of a church or anything like that. But even like, yeah, apart from biggering or even, even planting, although planting is awesome. I'm a big fan of it is just like deepening or bettering. If I want to stick with the, the Dr. Seuss thing is just getting, getting people to a place where they are just 
competent and comfortable in navigating God's word, where they know where they fit in with the body of Christ and where they can best serve. And they're just in a place where they're they're comfortable in their ability to share and defend their faith. And like, and if that's a small group of people and that's what it is, and it kind of remains that and you, you know, or, you know, the, the growth isn't huge. There are people coming to faith, but it's not this kind of massive tsunami of whatever. Like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I mean, like, I mean, you know, I've, I entered in this career, like, but for me, it's like, I don't, I don't need to be, I don't want to be a millionaire pastor or, you know, a, you know, a pseudo celebrity, at least in our kind of corner of the world. Like, I don't know. I just want to, I want to be faithful to what God's called me to do. I want to love people well, and hopefully they love me, and hopefully they're growing, and hopefully I'm growing, and hopefully people are, are coming to know the Lord. And if that's all it is, and that's all it is, and I'm happy with that. And, and I think a lot, at least, I mean, at least in my, the guys that I'm rubbing shoulders with who are newly into ministry and roles similar to mine or who are aspiring to those roles, that's, that's kind of where they're at. Right. They're not, they're not, they don't want to be the next John Piper. They don't want to be the next or, 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 I mean, or anything like that. Like they just want to be faithful. Yeah. To, to grab that Piper reference, um, looking back on the YRR episode, mm. we talked about Piper's work in, uh, the seashell sermon, right? which eventually became don't waste your life. Right. Everyone should read it. The Great. inspiration that it led the YRR movement into ministry, um, I think is invaluable as an introduction. I think his work that is going to shape the way they practice ministry and is shaping is men we are not professionals. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That notion of this isn't this isn't a profession. This mm-hmm. is a calling. Yeah. Um, I think that book is going to be or is the perfect follow-up that we're seeing sort of play out mm-hmm. in this thing that God has used John Piper to speak into so many people's lives through, mm-hmm. um, because it is a different, it it was in his time radically different. Right. Right? Yeah. That, notion, yeah. that notion that it's not about mobility changing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I've had people ask me, like, so you've already got the position of senior pastor. Why are you pursuing a doctorate? Right, I don't make a big deal of it. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't talk about it much. Mm-hmm. I, but we've mentioned it before. I'll acknowledge it. Um, I'm not pursuing a doctorate so that I can have more credentials for a next church. Right. <laughs> a lot of people believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What if? Let's just play a what if game. What if my time at Memorial coincided with having graduated with a doctorate? It doesn't mean anything. I'm telling you now, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Um, and, and it's not because I want to leave ministry and go into counseling mm-hmm. because biblical counseling is the focus area of it. I'm not leaving the pastorate to become a counselor. That's mm-hmm. not the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, biblical counseling is at its core skill, taking the word of God and applying it to life circumstances. Mm. Why not? practice that at the highest level possible. That's why I'm going to school. Yeah. It's awesome. not about upward mobility. It's not, it, it's about mm-hmm. personal growth so that maybe when I have one-on-one conversations with people, 
I'm more skilled in that. Right. When I preach a sermon, I'm more skilled in the application mm-hmm. of the sermon. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's the point. Yeah. Right. I, I tell people all the time, like my my one liner for this is I'm spending a lot of time and money just trying to be a better friend. Hmm. That's that's the goal behind it. And yeah, and that's that's, awesome. that's a shift that I I hope continues in pastors broadly mm-hmm. is that goal of just like, hey, I'm here to to do whatever, wherever, mm. um, not trying to to do a next thing. And with that, if that continues to broaden, um, I think we're going to see a number of things like the conference era take a huge dip in its S-curve, hmm. right? Like, so there was an era that we've sort of come to the tales of where R.C. Sproul... And John MacArthur, and John Piper, Mark Dever, uh, Ligon Duncan, mm. uh, Al Mohler, right? All these names of these people that were leading this sort of broadly reformed movement, having conferences of 25,000 pastors showing up, mm. right? Last April, you and I and Alex and Eric went to the final T4G. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think the reason is there's not a generation behind them stepping into that role of mm-hmm. the broader big name. Now right. that's not to say that Sproul was chasing some sort of fame and upward mobility. No, I don't think, and I don't think Piper was either. No, I don't either. And and I think the younger guys in that group, H. B. Charles, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. um, are are doing what God has gifted them to do. But I just don't see guys coming behind them, mm. stepping... And, and again, all of this is subject to change. Right. Uh, I think one of the reasons is that older guard of recognized names doesn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And they looked to the generation below them, and they were like, nobody wants to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well... In, no one's stepping into that space, Yeah, right? and, and like, I mean, there's... I think there's a a renewed emphasis on the significance of the local church and the local pastor Mm -hmm. within the church. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's, I'm part of some Christian groups online and people will be like, Oh, like who's your favorite preacher to listen to? And it's becoming increasingly common for the responses to be my pastor, Mm -hmm. not some random guy online who I don't know. And Hey, I love listening to guys online. I do. And I've been blessed by it. I've been, my, my life has been changed by some of the things that I've heard through YouTube videos. Like, and I don't want to diminish that at all, but you know, it's coming to a point where it's like, well, you know, there are some intelligent men, some gifted speakers, gifted preachers, gifted teachers, and we can benefit from what they have to say. But the kind of celebrity culture within the church, I mean, it's getting kind of old. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it'll, It'll be interesting to see what comes of that. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I don't know. Do you have any other any other predictions or thoughts? Just uh, some basic kind of like things. Mm. I, I think in all of this shift, I think the number one catalyst, the driver for change, is going to be societal rebellion against the church. Mm. Um, I think we're going to lose our. Uh, charitable status, yeah. At least in Canada, oh for sure. 
Um, Before we retire, for sure. Yeah, and and unfortunately, that's going to change the way people give. Yeah, it will. And so it'll change um, how the, the way that churches have to manage their, their right. budgets. I think it's also going to create some really awesome opportunities. Mm. I I think I think I would almost just go ahead and wrap up the resignation letter and mail it in. Because think <laughs> think about it this way. <laughs> what if the church was relieved of the privilege of its charitable status? Mm. That would mean we could take uh, that empty shop right next to the gas station mm. down the road here, invest in it, open up a little sandwich shop here in the neighborhood. There's nothing like that in this neighborhood. We don't have any sort of coffee sandwich shop. It's true, yeah. We could employ people, help families that are struggling to find jobs, create a space where people are hanging out and having those kinds of meals. We could open up you know, a daycare space mm. and employ people in the church right. to love on those kids, mm-hmm. um, receive an income that supplements the giving, those kinds of things. I think, I think there's some really awesome opportunities out there for, sure, business ventures mm-hmm. that create conversations and ministry opportunities, if we are intentionally saying the purpose of this isn't to supplement income, the purpose of this mm-hmm. is to create spaces where we are more open to ministry opportunities, the the outcome is we also supplement some income, mm. right? Hmm. Um, I, I think that those could be some, some really good things, yeah. um, but I also think that that's far more terrifying to far more people um, <laughs> than I'm giving it credit for. Yeah, it's and, terrifying to me because it's some not the kind of thing that I would be interested in, in overseeing. Oh, yeah, folks are going to lose their mind. That's yeah. for sure. If, yeah. When that happens, it's going to be hard. Because we're not professionals. <laughs> I'm just we're not. But we have a lot of professionals within us. And, we do. And that's where we do, yeah. I, I, when I, the first time I ever heard of this position, mm. I was in Peru looking at ministry positions in North America. And I saw the notion of executive pastor. Mm. The executive pastor is the one who is the CEO of right. the church. Right. Right? Explicitly. I'm, and so you have the executive pastor and the teaching pastor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of churches have made this divide to say, huh, go figure, maybe your book nerd theology nerd Mm -hmm. kind of person Mm -hmm. isn't your best numbers person. Yeah. Right? Like in secular society, we would would never make that assumption. Right, of course. That the librarian would also be the best accountant. Right. But in the church, we're like, of course they are. (laughs) Right? And so what you end up with is you end up with like pastors that are really great administrators. Yeah, yeah. And pastors that aren't. And pastors that are good theologians and teachers, mm. and pastors that aren't. Right. And their churches are frustrated with them. <laughs> yeah, with both. <laughs> yes. And so some of them have just made the divide yeah. to say, this is our executive administrative mm-hmm. CEO mm-hmm. pastor, mm-hmm. and this is the teaching pastor. Right. And right. I, I think you're going to see an increase in that. Yeah. When I first saw it, I thought, for me, the role of executive pastor is a nightmare. Yeah. Don't even want it. 
would never apply. If ever approached, I would maybe not even take the time to laugh at them and then hang up. Maybe just hang up and then laugh. <laughs> but I'm warming up to the notion, like mm. in the future, if I was a senior pastor somewhere, you know, here or elsewhere, would I consider that as the other role? Mm. Probably. Right. I, I think it's very helpful. Right. Right. Um, and that kind of person mm. would be brilliant in that area of leading some of those those mm-hmm. enterprises that yeah. that can receive. Yeah, I mean, I think some. that that executive pastor would still need to, you know, fulfill the, the biblical requirements, mm-hmm. be able to teach, be willing to teach, still have a spiritual maturity. But if their if their primary wheelhouse is administration over over teaching, right? Mm-hmm. And they're able to teach, but that's the side thing. And that frees up the guys who are really just wanting to, you know, to, to teach and to preach and to meet with people and to pray with people and to counsel people, to, to focus on those things and not get burdened with everything else, right? Budgets yep. and emails and, and yep. planning and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I, I would even say, do we need? does it need the notion of pastor at the end of it? Right, what it, to yeah, do to sure. be like the church's executive director, whatever. Yeah, right. Sure, Creating sure. a new a new position around that administration sure. is is a real possibility. Well, if we lose our our charitable status, then just call him CEO. Right. <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, and you know what? And, and just the last kind of the insight that that I'll add to this conversation, you know, in response to kind of the you you're talking about like kind of you know what happens when society continues to rebel against kind of the church and its teaching. Mm-hmm. I, I what I think we're going to see. And I'll have to kind of quantify what I what I mean by this, but I think what we're going to see is the church rebel against societal norms, not by taking up arms, but by doing things in a very different way than the rest of society mm-hmm. around them. Where I think like, you know, Christians in the 50s could probably get away with living like a lot of aspects of their day-to-day life was was not, and I don't mean this as an indictment. It's just where culture was at that, like, we're not dramatically different. Like Christians in the '50s sent their kids to school. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't think more and more. I think the norm is that going to be more and more Christians are not sending their, their yeah, kids. Yeah, the, the to number of school. young families that talk about homeschooling and Christian schooling yeah. as the alternative is really on the rise like dramatic dramatically so. yeah dramatically so and again that's not an indictment against christian families that choose to send their kids to public school mm-hmm. it's an individual decision but it's y- just a, it's a it's a notable shift it is yeah it's 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 significant um you know candace and i have have no interest in sending our kids to public school and we can't afford them sending them to christian school so that mean that leaves that leaves one option um and and I, we're not the only ones and uh, you know and so it, you know that that could provide opportunities for the church to to say okay are we going to find alternative ways of doing schooling beyond just you know mom with the kids in the house but do we do we cooperate in this type mm-hmm. of endeavor and what kind of opportunities come from there i think so i think that's one part of it i think also you know obviously um you know how we understand certain things, how we handle our money, how we, you know, whatever, how we handle our time, um, how we consume products and media and all sorts of things, how we interact with the the political world, how we interact with, I mean, even just like where healthcare is going in, in certain regards with, you know, medical assistance and dying and, and abortion and those t- sorts of things. Like, I think we're just going to see a, Christianity 
is going to appear increasingly radical to the world around us, not because we're changing, Mm -hmm. but because of where culture is going, at least in the short to medium term. Yeah. Um, I'm still hashtag still post mill, but it's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a bumpy road. If I were my guess anyways, this is going to be a bumpy road for the next few decades. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with that. Um, I, here's, here's what I, what I think though. I, I think the, where the bumps are going to come are going to come pretty soon. Mm. That's my notion. Okay. Right. And then I, I think it'll smooth out from there. Um, but only the way gas prices do. <laughs> I know what you mean. If you're a listener here, then you know that I can't, I can't do anything without throwing an analogy to it because I'm simple-minded. And you're so not. I have to do that to make sense for myself. If it helps you, I'm glad. Uh, I, I think we're going to find a place where those radical differences are not only noted by the church, but noted by the outside uh community society at large yeah i think that they're going to i don't know how much longer we'll be allowed to do things like homeschooling germany's banned it germany spain so much of europe and as we've talked about many times canada trends after europe Mm -hmm. societally Mm -hmm. by about five to ten years and before the states by the same kind of margin and even bc has made a really significant change. So what BC has done is they've said homeschooling is allowed. In fact, we're going to help supplement some of the income that's lost by parents who stay home and choose to homeschool. You're paying taxes towards education. You deserve to reap some benefit from that. So there's a small rebate for parents who homeschool with that comes a, a, a curriculum. Of course. Right? The rebate comes in a package with all of the books that you need to teach, and your kids are graded according to that curriculum. It's not explicitly stated, but sort of understood. And if they don't score within that curriculum according to what they would expect... Mm. you're going to lose your right to homeschool because you're not actually teaching them. You're just keeping them out of school. And I think on the surface, on the surface, what we see is this provincial support for homeschooling, provincial funding for homeschooling, provincial supply and provincial regulation to make sure that these kids are actually growing. And we would look at that and we'd be like, win, 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 all wins. I think there's also a societal agenda that will come with that if it's not already there that says, mm, you're teaching these other things and not this thing, and so your kid needs to be publicly corrected, right? right. The issue is the curriculum. That's why so many people want to homeschool. Right, and so, <laughs> like, and so I, no I, thanks. I, think that there's, I think that there's a window now where that's available. I don't know how mm. long that window stays open yeah. or what it looks like in yeah. the future, right? Fair if enough. Ontario chooses to follow that same kind of path... Right now, we have a conservative premier. So um, we probably won't. Yeah. But that could change. That could change. Right? All of this is subject to change. Um, I, I think eventually, though, society will come more and more against those Christian norms. I think that's going to strengthen relationships. 
because a lot of the societal shifts that we see are untenable. They're unsustainable. Um, I think the church, it, there's this weird flip that I see where uh, the church used to be seen as the place where you closed your mind and just walked in and just took everything they said and you didn't ask questions or else you were ostracized. Mm. I think the church is shifting where we welcome questions. Mm -hmm. The entire podcast next year is about asking questions, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's a more open place for working through things mm -hmm. than our society is. Oh, yeah. Because there's certain questions that you just don't ask. Don't ask society, what is a woman? Right. Because they won't have so, an answer for you and they'll be offended you even ask the question. Right. And so, so there are... There is going to be that that driving and deepening of relationships within the mm -hmm. church, but yeah. I, I also think because that societal thing is untenable and unsustainable, yeah, yeah you're going to see possibly the loss of opportunities like homeschooling, possibly the loss of things like tax-exempt status, mm -hmm. um, and, and a level of ostracization systematically, but I think eventually that crumbles pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, Though I, I'm not a part of this whole, it's all government media. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But but so much of it is, and and I would say higher education is a big big part of this too. I, I think eventually there's a cultural kickback. Mm. The problem is, by the time it kicks back, maybe we've lost enough that we don't come back to where we are, but we come back to a a new plateau. Mm. Right. So maybe maybe those. Some of maybe it doesn't just continue to run and run and run and run left just because that's the term that we're used uh, used to hearing. Um, and it eventually pauses, but it doesn't pause with where we are today as center. Mm. There's a new center, right? Like gas prices, right? Right? You see a huge explosion, everybody's like, Oh my goodness, what just happened? And it comes back down, yeah, but it didn't quite come back yeah. down to where it. It and, was. And you're so happy you're paying $1.40 a liter, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so maybe, maybe in the next 15 years, things just look like they couldn't get worse. Mm. Maybe in the next 25 years, the waters have calmed and we're operating under a new normal. Right. That's that's my thought. Yeah. In In the area of like where the church rests within the greater society. Right, right. Yeah. But in the meantime... I mean, the church is, is growing in other parts of the world, growing most dramatically in the parts of the world that are most hostile towards it, mm -hmm. which is always just such an interesting thing about the way that yeah. the, the church works and grows. And the church the in gospel China? Spreads. Church in China, the church in Iran, church in North Korea, you mm -hmm. know, church, in, you know, so, so it's like, well, even should those really difficult times come, like, again... Yeah, I mean, the Lord's going to continue to be faithful, but yeah, what we might see, I mean, can you imagine if you have, you know, an emerging, healthy, robust church in Iran, right? you know what I mean, well, that sends out missionaries to wherever, right? Like, right. this is this is the thing that, like, could we could see by the end of the century is, like, you know, we already have Korea, and mm -hmm. we, I might have mentioned this a couple episodes ago, like, Korea sends more foreign missionaries than the United States does. They've only got a fraction of the population. Like, that's wild. Yeah. That's wild. And and look at places like Iran and China. 
There's serious political unrest right now. Oh, yeah. Massive demonstrations against their governmental regimes. Mm -hmm. The opportunity for those regimes to fall Mm -hmm. and something new to stand in its place Mm -hmm. is not hundred-year thinking, Mm -hmm. right? Like, in China's case, it almost happened. Right. Right? (laughs) Iran is still killing people who disagree with them. Mm -hmm. That, That hushes a little bit until it doesn't. Sure. Egypt. Yeah. For example, yeah. right? So the question is just what comes in its place. Right, right. Right? Um, but the opportunity is there. Mm-hmm. Before we go, just to fulfill my prophecy of this being the longest episode, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot with a question. Oh, okay. What is the next great theological debate within the church? And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop this one. It cannot be the relationship between the church and the state. Yeah, because that's the current one. Because that is the current one, right? Mm. So what follows that? I don't have an answer. I just want to put oh, you on man, the spot. You are totally putting me on the spot. Um, I think the next major theological debate, but like within our tribe, like within our section, like ev- like kind of like conservative evangelical Christianity, or it, it could be right. It, it could be. That sort of thing, right? Like a Zwingli, Luther kind of a thing. We're both reforming, but what does that mean? Right. It could be a different thing. It could be, yeah. It could be the Catholic and the reform, right? Like right. outside groups coming to this kind of thing. So my my initial gut instinct, but we might already be in this. Like the the whole conversation around medical assistance and dying is a big one. But we've already started talking about that. That's already been spoken of. I mean, mm-hmm. you, what you might see is, you know, it's the kind of question that that come up sometimes. Um, hmm. Oh, dude. Oh, man, you really put me on the spot here. So, medical assistance and dying issue is a big one. Um, I think. Um, the way we interact with artificial intelligence might be huge. Metaverse. Well, metaverse, so like, so virtual reality stuff, um, supplanting certain roles within our society with Mm -hmm. the use of AI um, and what that, you know, what kind of impact does that have? Um, You know, do we allow ourselves to be taught by an artificial intelligence teaching a course? Mm-hmm. It's a lot cheaper. I mean, you can have, you can, I mean, you now have, you know, artificial, like, you know, AIs that can um, distill information and communicate it in an effective way. Right. Right. Like there's websites you can go to that interact with AI and you can be like, hey, can you explain to me this, this doctrine? And it'll lay it out for you. Right. Mm-hmm. In a very clear and concise and understandable way, accurate way, referencing sources and all these types of things. And so I think there's going to be a real tendency in our culture to just supplant everything with ai like like almost maybe not everything initially but almost everything um and just rely on ai to do the work for us in so many different areas and Mm -hmm. so i think that that could become a thing you know that the church is engaged in is like do we just want ai sermons yeah, that's a very matrix kind of a thing. It is, and and I could be totally off base, and it could this whole AI thing could totally crash and burn, and we realize okay, it's not really going to be that big of a thing. I don't know. I think once I think once that door was opened, it's it's not closing. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't expect this to take a sci-fi turn, but I'm interested uh, because because I think the argument will be 
if you can, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Right? That's the argument for genetically altering a fetus. Sure. Yep. Right? Which could be a thing, too, that we talk more about in the days to come. Well, it, it is, right? Like, if, yeah. someone, if, someone needs, uh, if someone needs help because of infertility, that's on the table. Right. right? Like, which of these are you going to choose? Do you want to test them? Like right. use them all and then test them for whichever one's the best or right uh, because if, if you could prevent disease, why wouldn't you? Right, right. That's already a discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could give someone comfort by not requiring them to struggle in physical and emotional pain mm-hmm. at the end of life, why wouldn't you? Right, right. So from that perspective of if, if you, you could, c- if you could prevent a child from growing up in poverty. Right. Why wouldn't you? So it, it becomes yeah. then it becomes mm-hmm. then a moral argument, right? And so mm-hmm. Christian ethics and morality, you're right, could be the next big debate in that notion of if it brings uh, if it brings betterment, why wouldn't you do right, it? Right, right. Which which when you were saying all that made me wonder if we might find ourselves being the next wave of Amish Mennonite kind of things in a way that we don't participate in a, vul- a, a virtual world, right? Mm-hmm. I know I know that there are already churches planting metaverse yeah. congregations. Oh, yeah, it's a thing. It's hilarious. I know that. If you don't know what metaverse <laughs> is, uh, basically think back to the 90s when you started playing Sims. <laughs> it's like Sims, but people are taking it seriously. Right. It's so true. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah, and you could show up in your little sim self and and participate in a church service. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I <laughs> I understand that there are we Memorial is not working on its metaverse church no, plant. No. Heck no. <laughs> Can you imagine? But but also, will we find ourselves in a place where making some of these decisions that you've said? Right, right. Right? Like allowing AI to to think for us, make our decisions for us. Mm-hmm. We refuse to do that. Are we going to be put aside in communities in the same way we would be like, why do these people refuse to use right. whatever modern implementation they choose <laughs> to set aside? Right, right. Right. And they suffer for it and their kids suffer for it. And and that's what we're doing to our families too, based on this conviction that we hold. I don't know. That's a fascinating yeah. thought. We just live in communes, right? And like we have smartphones, but we're not going to put the headsets on or something. I don't know, whatever it is. Like, but like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, I don't know where it goes, but I just feel like someone's got to give eventually. It's, mm-hmm. it's weird, man. It's, it, it is a weird place. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I'm an old man, like I'm 32 right now and I think, okay, let's say I got 50 years left, 82. That's, you know, that's life expectancy. And they, they say life expectancy is only going to increase. So even though I might not have the healthiest lifestyle, I mean, mm-hmm. probably I'll, I'll be, you know, the $6 million man by the time I'm that age. I mean, come on, I'll have new joints and new heart and new everything else. Yeah. Probably in all likelihood. And what's the world going to be like then? You yeah. know, in the 2070s, and, what's the world going to be like? I have no idea. And, and here's, here's an interesting thing that I would like to, I would love to be able to, to have the time to do a test on this mm. because my guess is there was, there was a time when people made these kinds of guesses. Right. Right. 1981. 
is the product of that War of the Worlds? Oh, 1984, you mean? 1984, sorry. Yep, yep. Product of those, these things are a product right. of that right. kind of thinking. Right. The Jetsons. The Jets. Yeah. Of What's course. the world going to be like? Right. Yeah. In 2000. <laughs> right. And and there's less of that mm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um. Here's here's my my guess as to why. Because things remain static for a pretty long time. And innovation was pretty slow and all sort of bound to mechanical kind of things. Mm -hmm. And then you have the advent of the silicone processor, Mm -hmm. right? Intel and Bill Gates and uh, uh, Steve Jobs really did change the world. Oh, yeah. In a a faster way than anyone ever could have. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm I'm a part of this very small middle generation, right? Like I'm I'm not a millennial, mm-hmm. I'm not a Gen X, mm-hmm. um, but there's this small group of us. It's only like three or four years recognized by most people as the very last group to grow up without the internet, mm. but who saw it introduced for the first time as a junior, senior in high school, mm. and had it by university right right like i remember going into my high school as a senior and sitting down getting my opportunity to sit down on the internet and look up anything i wanted to look up and i was like i don't know and just right. stare at the screen like what do i want what would i even want to look up i don't know it's like <laughs> it's a, an encyclopedia inside of the screen and it doesn't make any sense to me and i don't know why i need this right um and 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 that that matters because i have watched the world change very drastically mm-hmm. in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so I can't even fathom what it was like or what it will be like. Because right. if it changes like that again, mm-hmm. it could be absolutely anything. Right. We also could have hit a plateau right? where all we're doing now is refining mm-hmm. quantum processing and things like right, that. Right, right, right. And and someone like you who just sort of grew up with it is in a place where you can project what those sort of refinements might look like. And maybe we have this new wave of trying to predict the future. But I think people sort of my age have given up on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, what would be really cool is if technological advancements went in ways that were more tangible, like space travel like actually like let's like let's let's get to mars and beyond and other solar systems like if you could do something like that like that'd be super cool i don't think that's what's going to happen i I don't think it will either i i it always cracks me up in the notion when people are like explain to us why the government should spend so much money on space exploration (laughs) they're like well if this planet becomes uninhabitable we will have the technologies to make an uninhabitable planet inhabitable (laughs) and we'll do that over there on the mars or the moon or whatever you're like well if you have those technologies why wouldn't you just implement it'd probably be easier to just do it here yeah right right you're already here what's the point in loading all of this stuff up like you're gonna have like this cosmic trailer that you're gonna carry all these building supplies on (laughs) um Yeah. To bring it back around to my own question, what is the next theological debate? Mm. Again, I I threw it out without really thinking about it. Um, I like yours better than anything that I could probably come up with. I don't think it'll be traditional, like Mm. the ordinances. No, no. That stuff's pretty well settled. People are where they are on it. Yeah. But but again, in church history, we've watched that dust stir up. Sure. But I think there are only a couple of ways that it could go. Mm. 
And I think those things have been determined. Um, I wonder if as we move further and further from the death of Jesus, we start getting new eschatological readings Mm. that try to make sense of why this has taken so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you get like more people who are like full preterism. Yeah, everything was in the past. and Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe people, and we are already seeing people become increasingly all-millennial or post-millennial. Maybe we see an increase of post-millennialism where there, people start mm-hmm. reading in based on their, their personal experience of this hasn't happened and there needs to be an explanation to mm. start saying, well, maybe it is happening. Right, right. Right, and we're just yeah. watching it differently. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how things shake out in that regard, but... Yeah, well, thank you for joining us for... I'm not going to do your thing, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just want to say thank you to the listeners for hanging on. If you've hung on for this episode, this is... Wow, this is a journey. This is a... You and I just don't want to get back to writing our term term papers. That's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you for joining us, and we're we're looking forward to to next year and changing gears again towards apologetics. But uh, we appreciate those of you who listen and those of you who reach out and give us feedback. We really do. So thanks. Yeah. Next couple of episodes are going to be what are apologetics? Why study apologetics? Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're going to dive into it headlong. Mm -hmm. So until then, thanks for listening. Uh, This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. It's produced by Alex Walker, who's going to be very happy to see the (laughs) timestamp. See you next year, folks.